I used to live in Brookline, Massachusetts, and on freezing cold, wintry days like the ones they're having now, my friend Judith would stop at Brugger's Bagelry on her way to grocery shop at Trader Joe's and order cups of hot cocoa to go. Arriving at Trader Joe's, she handed them out to the parking lot attendants and the guys who rounded up the runaway carts. We had an aging poet in our neighborhood, busy translating the Odyssey, who in his 90s had lost his wife, his eyesight, so many things. And Judith would show up at his door for walks at the park. She'd say, I'm here for our date. One day, walking home with her from lunch at our favorite sandwich place, she and I came upon a stray cat, slinky and exotic. She scooped him up, whispered tender words in his ear, and marched straight to the police station and demanded they find his family. And then once at CVS in the pre-pandemic times, she met a woman on the verge of tears who was having a terrible day. And she said, do you need a hug? A woman she didn't know, hugging ensued. In my humble opinion, in all those ways, Judith was shining like the sun. Hold that thought. In today's passage from Luke, such a fabulous, fabulous passage, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And later we hear that his three friends see his glory, the glory of God. In Matthew's version of this story, the same story, Jesus is transfigured before them, his face shining like the sun and his garments white as the light. Now, the three disciples, they take all of this glory to mean that they should somehow capture it and make permanent this manifestation of Jesus and Elijah and Moses. Uh, it's, it's so incredible. They want to be able to draw on this glory and this energy in something like a celestial theme park, I think. And they want to bottle it. And instead, through a cloud, they hear God's voice instruct them, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. And these words imply, listen to what he says, watch what he does, share your glory, yourselves. Shine. Once I saw Mother Teresa in person. She spoke at my graduation from Georgetown. It was the rainiest day any of us could ever remember. Sheets of rain as we all stood drenched on the squishy football field, huddled under umbrellas until a tiny, I mean minute woman 
climbed the steps to the stage dressed in plain white linen with blue trim, and instantly the clouds parted, rain halted, the sun burst forth full blast. We all just laughed. Now, none of us could hear a word that she actually said. She was so small, her voice was small, and it was heavily accented English. But it didn't matter. The sun was shining, and Mother Teresa was shining like the sun. In Kolkata, India, many years later, I visited the orphanage that she established and the home for the dying. And beforehand, I was a little afraid of what I would see. Would it be almost too heartbreaking to bear? And far from it, when I entered these places, I was struck by the warmth, the glow, the positive energy, the kind caregivers. I could tell that the children and the elderly people felt loved. I visited Mother Teresa's tomb, too, right in the mother house of the missionaries of charity where she had lived and served, and it was a simple tomb in a simple room with candles and rose petals, nothing grand, simple, like the woman herself. And the nuns had shaped the rose petals into words on the tomb, and these were words from John's Gospel, love one another as I have loved you. And other times they shape other words with rose petals on the tomb, all for Jesus through Mary, and Jesus' words from the cross, I thirst. Mother Teresa, famous for loving the forgotten and the poor, she said, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Even so, she thirsted. In her life of loving and blessing others, she struggled desperately, too, heartbreakingly. She could not feel the presence of God much of the time. Depression, she wrote, surrounds me on all sides. I cannot lift my soul to God. No light or inspiration enters my soul. The place of God in my soul is blank. In the midst of such agony, how, how did she manage to shine like the sun? And what did it cost her to try? And it makes me think that this must be her greatest triumph, managing to take what steps she was able to take somehow in the midst of often debilitating depression or in between bouts of depression. Because if you struggle with chronic depression or love someone who does, you know how often even the simplest things can seem miles out of reach. Which gets me wondering about how some of the 
shimmeringly heightened language of the Bible lands with people who are mired in struggle and pain. Like, like the story we hear today about the transfiguration, I wonder if it gives listeners the wrong idea. Does it make them think they have to shine like Jesus no matter what, shine like the sun? How? Especially for those struggling with depression, loss, chronic pain, and so many other challenges. People for whom shining may feel completely out of reach. Like the women and girls that my daughter works with as a therapist focused on eating disorders, I've read that half of the women with eating disorders also struggle with depression. These girls and women experience deep pain, believing as they do that they are fundamentally wrong and bad. Their brains keep telling them that they are fundamentally wrong and bad, and eating disorders mean anger turned inward. My daughter tells her clients that happiness, aliveness, shining like the sun, although she doesn't use those words, it's not a fixed place. It's an active practice every day to take care of yourself enough to catch glimpses of light, to see and experience and maybe even share moments of light. And, and my daughter dreams that, that she can help her clients access even a fraction of self-compassion, enough to eat a meal or take a shower, small steps. And another thing my daughter tries to teach is how people can have enough cognitive flexibility to consider even for a moment Maybe I'm not a horrible person. And friends, moments like that are shining. Sometimes shining comes in the surviving, like Mother Teresa and like my friend Judith of the hot cocoa and the aging poet dates and the hugs and CVS. During those Brookline years, Judith struggled with hopelessness and depression so severe that often she could not leave her home, her bed. And remembering her loving gestures back then between bouts of depression, I see such triumph, such shining. Again, sometimes shining comes in surviving, which brings us to you and me in this story today of Jesus transfigured and of God telling the disciples, listen to him.
God calls us to. And if we say, I'm not Jesus, I, I, how am I supposed to show all of that glory? How am I supposed to shine like the sun? The answer is, you can and you do. Every time you reach out in kindness to others, and every time you treat yourself with kindness too. These simple gestures add up. They matter. After the glory of the mountaintop, the transfiguration, Jesus' very next move is to heal a suffering child. So, what's your next move? Because your life can tell the story of God's glory even in the midst of the challenges you face every time you shine. Amen.